Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 at the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Tuesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com as well as the mobile app. Thanks so much for tuning in. Multiple ways you can interact with us here on the program, 201-939-4513. You can also hit us up on Twitter, hashtag GiantsChat. Alongside Paul DeTito and Jeff Fiegels, I'm Lance Meadow with you for the next 60 minutes. And as a reminder, you can find the archive of this show and our entire podcast network on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere, and at Giants.com slash podcast. So we are going to continue our opponent previews as we continue to get down to the nitty-gritty of the 2022 regular season. <clears throat> the Giants are playing the AFC South this season, so that means they will be colliding with the Houston Texans, who certainly had a rather impressive campaign thanks to their rookie quarterback last year, Davis Mills. And to get more into his upside and everything else dealing with the Houston Texans, we are now joined by a man who suited up in the NFL for 11 seasons for the Texans and the Jaguars. You can hear him on Sports Radio 610 in Houston, none other than Seth Payne. Seth, you got Lance Meadow, Paul Dottino, Jeff Fiegels here on Giants.com, Big Blue Kickoff Live. Greatly appreciate the time today. Hope all is well. How's everything on your end? Oh, it's doing great. I, I actually, you know, all of a sudden I feel like it's almost like my final exam and I didn't study enough. Like training camp has come around and you realize, oh, man, there's, there's like 18 <laughs> projects I wanted to do this offseason and uh, I've got no time left to do it. We'll pass you. You're okay. You're okay with us. We're in the same boat. So we're all, we're all passing great. It's, it's pass, fail, and we all pass. How about that, Seth? <laughs> we're all gearing up and cramming in for yeah. the start of training camp, as you mentioned. And I hit right off the top, Seth, on Davis Mills, and that's where I want to start because even though, once again, the record didn't necessarily reflect that, I think it's fair to say he did have an impressive first year in the league given nobody even expected him to see the field. And if you look at his turnovers, he only really, in my impression had one bad game where he had the five picks I believe against the Buffalo Bills outside of that set that seemed as if his decision making his passer rating was pretty much in line with you know what you want to see out of a guy running your offense so where has he grown the most and what do you think about his chances this year or could they perhaps bring in some competition I think um the, the I'll start with your second question first, which is, could they bring in more competition? I don't think there's 
any chance at all that they bring in Jimmy Garoppolo um, or somebody like that. As has been, I don't know if that's even been rumored. People have attempted to start that rumor. I think that Davis Mills last year, especially in his last five starts, showed enough promise and showed enough growth from his stretch of starts at the beginning of the season that they want to see what they have in him. He, he completed nine at six over that last five games period. He completed 68.4% of his passes, nine touchdowns and two interceptions. Um, he just flat out looks like a competent NFL quarterback in those five games. Whereas at the beginning of the season when Tyrod Taylor uh, was supposed to start at least probably the first half of the season, Tyrod Taylor got injured and Davis Mills went in and he went against a slew of really good defenses. Cleveland, Carolina, Buffalo, the Patriots, the Colts, the Cardinals, and the, and the Rams. Those were the teams he went against on defense, and it, it didn't go all that great. Uh, as you mentioned, um, he did have a couple of pretty good games versus the Patriots and the Rams early on, but it was really in that second stretch of games where he looked more comfortable and confident. Pre-snap, he was identifying defenses. He was adjusting uh, the offensive call, adjusting the pass coverage um, or the blocking protection, and doing a lot of the things that you want to see a young quarterback do as he's progressing into being an NFL quarterback. So that's where I think that this, this rebuild for the Texans presented an opportunity for them to take a third-round pick and say, hey, it's a weak class for quarterbacks, or at least it certainly looks like a weak class for quarterbacks this year. Let's just go ahead and put the full thrust of our energy into, into Davis Mills and see how he develops. Well, if Mills is going to have the kind of year that they want him to, he's going to need some balance in the running game. Now, Marlon Mack comes over from the Colts. We know the last couple of years after he was a 1,000-yard rusher in Indianapolis, had an Achilles, had a shoulder injury. Basically, he hasn't played a whole hell of a lot. And now he lands in Houston. How much are they counting on him to be, provide that balanced offense that, that they're going to need if Mills is going to be successful? Marlon Mack's an interesting one because, you know, if you look at the history of running backs in the NFL who've suffered an Achilles tendon tear in the NFL and then come back, it's really pretty sparse. In this century, there's not anybody that's even been in the league productively three years later after suffering an Achilles tendon tear. So we have, in all these other positions, guys have come back from Achilles tendon tears. You know, in the NBA, Kevin Durant is coming back from an Achilles tendon tear. So they've made a lot of progress with the rehab there. So far, we haven't seen stud running backs do it. So Marlon Mack is a little bit of a mystery. You know, and he comes in Indianapolis, obviously, uh, they ended up having a, a stud running back that replaced him. So it wasn't like he was going to be pushing for extra time there. I think the guy that really intrigues people, both from a Texans fan perspective and then from a, a fantasy perspective, is Damian Pierce, the fourth-round pick out of Florida. Because that was a guy that didn't get a whole ton of snaps and carries of Florida, but did what he was asked to do really, really well. He's a little bowling ball of a, of a running back. Um, and people from the University of Florida, and you know, I still talk to people, and uh, I played for the Jaguars for five years. I talk to people there a lot. They're really high on Damian Pierce. So there's a chance that Damian Pierce might end up being the guy at some point during the season. Well, I mean, I, I want to stick with the offense. Um, we'll get to the defensive side of the ball with your draft picks. But, you know, when you look at that offense, I hopefully for uh, the Houston's sake that these guys can get it going. They were 32nd in the run game, so that doesn't help you much offensively. Um, of course, and doesn't help 
QB Davis Mills. Um, John Mechie, so want to know a little bit about him, how his health is going to be there. Obviously, when he's paired up next to Brandon Cooks, who had a good year last year, you know, how much better can he be with the addition of John Mechie? Um, I, I'm really excited about John Mechie. I think John Mechie is going to end up playing in the slot a whole bunch. Mm-hmm. And he, he tore his ACL late last year. It was funny, on draft night, he said, hey, I'll, I'll be ready to go very soon. I think he had said July. Uh, Nick Casario, the GM, came on about an hour later and said, hey, listen, don't listen to what John Mechie <laughs> says. We're going to take it very slow with his knee. So, And I think they'll do that. I think one thing that, one thing that we've seen with Nick Casario, the GM, who was with New England for 20 years before he came to Houston, is that he is very patient and wants to take his time with rookies. He doesn't feel like a guy needs to get out there right away. And last year you saw some rookies play early, some waited until midway through the season. But when they showed up, they looked like they were ready to go. So I don't think they're going to press John Mechie into action, but he is also a guy who played at Alabama. They drafted a bunch of guys from big-time schools and big-time programs this year. I think they want guys that can handle – that have already demonstrated that they can handle a certain amount of pressure. You know, there's a – I think with – with Nick Casario, there's there's elements of that Bill Parcells tree where you see where you guys saw it with Coughlin. I played for Tom Coughlin. Like, I know what that's all about. And Casario very much has that element to him where he wants to take guys that are mentally and physically tough. Um, and John Mechie fits that mold. And there's all kinds of great stories about him, you know, growing up in, in several different countries and – uh, really, really having to make a go of it and put a lot of faith in himself and um, move around to, to get what he wanted. So that I'm excited about him just kind of for hopefully what he represents, not just as a player, but in adding to the culture of the team and being the right kind of guy, kind of a, like, frankly, a Bill Belichick or a Tom Coughlin type of guy. Well, Seth, if some of these young guys are going to flourish in the passing game as well as Davis Mills picking up where he left off, that all comes back to the offensive line, and they re-signed a few guys. Kenyon Green, they drafted. A.J. Can they brought over from Jacksonville. How would you assess the overall state of this offensive line? Because as Jeff noted, they were dead last in rushing yards per game, and clearly that's partially a reflection of the guys in the trenches. Yeah, um, completely. And this is something that over the last, really during the Bill O'Brien era, um, which which weirdly extended in the last year because the offensive coordinator last year, Tim Kelly, was a holdover from Bill O'Brien and has only, up to last year, had only coached in the NFL for Bill O'Brien. Um, there's always this, this feel that they were trying to replicate what Tom Brady had in New England, which was, hey, quarterback's going to come up to the line and he's going to get us into the perfect play and that from week to week we're going to be a game plan offense where we switch the offense around completely based on the opponent we're seeing that week. And in doing that, offensive linemen were just confused as hell all the time, and they, and they looked that way. Um, what I hope is that with Pep Hamilton as the offensive coordinator now, Pep Hamilton brings uh, potentially a little bit more of a, if not simplified, but a more focused view of how you want the run game to look. A whole lot of pulling guards and powers and leads and things like that. And, and I think that just through that, through some clarity, the offensive line might be better. But you're right, that uh, there's nothing worse for a young quarterback than to not have a good <laughs> rushing attack. So, so when you find out what Davis Mills has this year, we're hoping that they're showing more as a running team. 
I got to flip it out at the defense, Seth. And and I know that as somebody who uh, played up front, stopping the run is something you took a lot of pride in. And this team did not stop the run last year at all in Houston. And when I looked at their draft, I said, okay, well, they got some guys in the secondary pretty high. uh, But outside of Christian Harris, who they took in the third round, they really didn't do anything to help the front seven. I wonder how much of a, of a puzzlement was that to you on the basis that they had so much trouble stopping teams' ground attack? Well, well, there's that, yes. And also, if you add into that, Lovey Smith, um, as a coach, as a coordinator when he was with the Rams, um, as, a, as a linebacker's coach when he was with Tampa – the first go-around before he was the head coach with Tampa, um, he'd always been on teams that really put a premium on drafting pass rushers and drafting defensive linemen. You know, two, two-thirds of the first-round picks that Lovey Smith ever spent were on defensive linemen. So he really likes getting guys that can get after the passer, get penetration up front. Um, I think some of the draft class uh, this year, some of the things that they've done, the fact that they drafted – Derek Stingley is a cornerback in the first round. Jalen Petrie, uh, uh, safety slash corner in the second round. Um, it kind of reflects Lovey Smith adjusting to the modern NFL, where there is going to be more of a premium on man coverage. The old Lovey Smith Tampa 2 isn't really what it used to be. He's going to mix and blend his coverages a lot more. And I think some of that, you know, as, as Kayvon Thibodeau and some of the other pass rushers that were out there were, were certainly linked to the Texans beforehand. I think that they just felt like there was more value in the defensive backfield in this draft than there was on the pass rushers. So would this have been different 10, 15 years ago with Lovey Smith? I certainly think it would be. But there's also, okay, we got to take the best players available. Are we going to fix the run and the pass coverage and everything else right now? (laughs) I don't know. Um, I think it's going to be like, you know, you, you saw the Texans last year. Uh, they, they did a few good things, but it's going to be addressing pro- multiple problems over the next few years. And uh, the run defense, I would say the biggest thing that maybe they did to improve, hopefully, was that they drafted Christian Harris, another kid out of Alabama, who um, has a lot to learn in terms of becoming an NFL cover guy, pass coverage guy. But he can come up and he can, and he can lay some, some licks as a run stopper. Um, and he's another guy, kind of like John Mechie, that feels feels a little bit like a than an like an old school Parcells tree type of player. So uh, that's that's something hopefully that pans out. Other than that, they've got some young players that you know most of your listeners wouldn't recognize, um, but that they feel good about. That I think might be some kind of diamonds in the rough. Let me talk to you a little bit. I mean, I, I want to get on Derek Stingley, obviously for uh, you know he's the number one pick and. And a lot of people were a little bit surprised at that pick, but I mean, honestly, the guy, the guy can be a, a perennial shutdown corner if he has the potential to be. Um, the guy I want to know is, and we, we're pretty familiar with him, is Stephen Nelson. I want to know about him a little bit. Obviously, a solid addition in my opinion for that backfield. Um, and then a little bit more. I just, I'm just trying to think about the, the safety position. To me, that's the one. If I'm looking at just a little bit of doing a research on the team. That seems to me like one area that is, might be a little bit of concern. I mean, Jalen Petrie was pretty solid last year, but give me a little bit of your insight on that safety position and maybe possibly uh, Casero coming in from maybe grabbing a free agent to, to add to that mix. Yeah, I think that for the most part, for one, you're, you're exactly right. Okay, I, I think in any position on this team right now, um, either 
if not an existing free agent, a camp cut, or a trade during training camp for a veteran player, yeah. it's certainly in play at safety, um, as well as a bunch of the other positions. I think running back's another one. You know, I think that, uh, you know, with, really? with the way my running backs are treated these days, that, well, especially that's another thing that Casario has taken from New England, I think, which is you want to have a plethora of different types of running backs to be able to use them as you see fit. Mm-hmm. But it's safety. For one, I'll say that I think the player that was most mentioned by Lovey Smith and other coaches during the mini camps was probably Jalen Petrie. Um, people really, really like him. Like he 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 can play slot corner. I mean, I think he was more of a slot corner um, at at Baylor than he was a true safety. But they're going to play him at safety. I think they're going to play him at slot corner. They're going to use him as a pass rusher. I. And I'm not, I don't want to make a direct comparison to this player that I'm about to mention, but I think that he's a, he's a Tyron Matthew type of player mm-hmm. where he has a very high football IQ. I think he is very versatile. I would never say that a guy's going to be as good as Tyron Matthew, certainly, um, until he gets in and proves it. But I think they hope he's that type of player. So I think in a Lovey Smith defense, uh, which Lovey Smith defenses tend to be very opportunistic, even last year with the Texans, the Texans weren't good at hardly anything at all, but they were at the very least top ten in takeaways on defense. So that's what that's where he might show up as you know potential all rookie team, rookie of the year type of candidate. The other safety positions really up wide open. Um, as far as Derek Stingley goes, yeah, it was it was a surprise to me. I frankly thought that it was a lot of just draft flack when Stingley was attached to the Texans a few days before the draft. It makes more sense since Lovey Smith has talked about it um, since then. Like, Lovey has talked about being a team that plays more man, being a team that's uh, more, I guess, quote-unquote, modern NFL. And Derek Stingley, uh, he fits right in with that. There's questions about his durability. Uh, there's questions about why wasn't he as good these last two years as he was his freshman year when he was just absolutely incredible. And I think this is another one where, look, the Texans were drafting high, um, and whether it's pass rushers or cover guys, mm-hmm. I think teams strategically sometimes just say, hey, look, we know that there's some risk here, but you take a guy like Kayvon Thibodeau, you take a guy like Derek Stingley, you take a guy that might not check off all the boxes just because they are so freakishly talented, and you only get so many cracks at guys like that. So I think they're betting on Stingley – having been slowed down a little bit by injuries and illness in 2020 and 21, and you're going to see more of the 2019 version of him. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. we got a great episode coming up, picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all, but here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs. Yeah, like check out these hair plugs. I mean, don't just walk around, hey, tapping, hey, <laughs> hey, stranger, I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you have to do that with everyone you meet? Some people try to act like they, uh, you know what I mean. Yeah, but I mean, like like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot? Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but... All right, so what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. 
It is. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Especially since LSU overall was so hammered by injuries, too. It went well beyond Derek Stingley as we're talking with Seth Payne, a former NFL defensive tackle for the Texans and the Jaguars. You can hear him on Sports Radio 610 in Houston. I want to go back to the front group because one player in particular, Seth, that stood out to me last season was Jonathan Grenard, their third-round pick in 2020. Eight sacks, leads the team last year, which was quite the boost compared to where he was as a rookie. How much was what Lovey did within his scheme to utilize him in getting after the quarterback a big reason why he essentially had a breakout second year in the league? Yeah, I, I think that the scheme was a big thing for John Grenard because, uh, you know, you see this all the time. Guys that either come from a 4-3 in college and then they try to learn how to play as a 3-4 outside linebacker um, or they're a linebacker that learns how to play defensive end. And it's, it's never as simple as I think a lot of the scouts want it to be. So John Grenard in his rookie year was a guy that had a lot of promise but was trying to learn how to play outside linebacker uh, in, a, in a scheme that maybe wasn't perfect for him. So I think last year when he got to just put his hand in the dirt and get upfield and go, uh, it, he really took to it. And he's one of these guys, I, you know, I'm going to make another comparison. Okay, this is going to turn into an interview where I make uh, where I compare players to all-time greats. Uh, and uh, and go, ahead, go ahead and take them out of context and put it as a headline or something. But the type of player that you hope Jonathan Leonard could be is a guy like Michael Strahan, who – Strahan, as you guys remember, you know, didn't come into the league looking like the guy that he ended up being. It, it took him a little while to just figure out exactly what kind of a player he was. And then ultimately, he was a guy that could play the run, could play the pass. He didn't do it with blazing speed around the edge. He did it through, you know, overall athleticism, technique, football IQ, all those types of things. And I think Tyler Gennard is that type of a player. Uh, and just like I did with Jalen Petrie and Tyron Matthew, I'm not predicting that Jonathan Grenard is going to be anywhere as good as Michael Strahan, but I think he is one of those guys that might come along over the course of his two years, first few years in the league, and and become a complete defensive end. The guy that can that you can trust versus the run, that you can trust as a pass rusher. And, um, and, and he's a nice story. Like, he's the kind of guy that – if, if you're going to really develop as a team, you can't do it all with first-round picks and high-priced free agents. You got to have you got to have guys like this. Uh, Seth, I was actually going to ask you about two former Texans, if I could, for a second, because Giants fans obviously up here know that Tyrod Taylor was with uh, the Texans. Uh, we know that uh, Aikens, the tight end, was also with the Texans. They're now trying to compete for for roster spots here. Taylor brought in as kind of insurance slash, well, who knows what's going to happen to Daniel Jones in the final year of his contract. And Aikens in a tight ends room that basically doesn't have any holdovers from last year, so the competition is wide open. So if you could give me a thumbnail on what Aikens brings to the table and, and how much of a chance do you think he may have to uh, wrestle the starting job away from his competition. And then as far as Taylor's concerned, look, you know that there are people who are always going to criticize whatever quarterback you have, as well as guys who always love him. The people who really dislike Daniel Jones 
are already waving flags that Tyrod Taylor should be the starter. Oh, he's going to beat out <laughs> Daniel Jones. Can't wait to see Tyrod Taylor. I'd, I'd love you to cool those people's jets for, for a minute if you could, too. Well, okay, so with Jordan Aikens, Jordan Aikens was always that guy that felt like, okay, man, uh, if, if this guy can just uh, figure a couple things out, then he could end up being really good. And it, for whatever reason, it never quite worked out that way. But he was very well liked, and I think um, as a player – it's not like it was a lack of effort or anything like that that, that kept him from perhaps really developing or becoming what we thought he could be. It might have been as simple as the circumstances of what the Texans were uh, over the last couple of years. It's just been uh, it's been a rough place for guys to develop, you know, for a multiple reasons, and especially the last couple of years, everything's just been really, really weird. Um, I think that there's still untapped potential in Aikens. He's older than you think he is because he, you know, he came to the game late. But the the one thing that I really appreciate about Jordan Aikens is there will be at least several times this year when you're going to see him like absolutely bulldoze a safety or a defensive back or a linebacker and embarrass him. He's got some run after the catch uh, juice to him that's a lot of fun to watch. So. Yeah, I think that Jordan Aikens is something like you're not out of line for thinking that Jordan Aikens uh, might compete for real playing time. Um, and then, as far as Tyrod Taylor, look, Tyrod, who who doesn't care whether you call him Tyrod or Tyrod, I don't, I know Hard Knocks had it all, had everybody all screwed up for a while, but it, it, he told us multiple times he doesn't care. So, Tyrod Taylor, the first thing I would tell you is that, especially. Um, given that Brian Dayball is going to be working with Daniel Jones, uh, Tyrod Taylor is the perfect conduit. Like, he is the perfect bridge quarterback because this guy might be one of the more or most put-together, professional, mature athletes that I've covered in the NFL. Like, he just – you feel – this guy stepped in last year in an incredibly awkward situation. Remember – Deshaun Watson had asked for a trade and then ultimately uh, was accused of sexual misconduct by more than 20 women. We had that going on as Tyrod Taylor is getting signed and named the starting quarterback and basically being asked at times to be the only guy who was standing up and talking to the media and fielding questions about Deshaun Watson. Um, and And I think it's really kind of emblematic of the kind of respect that that Tyrod Taylor commands from his teammates and from coaches that he really, I think Tyrod Taylor may have handled that situation better than any of the, the quote unquote adults or suits or anybody else in the building. He really just did an incredible job of it. And at the same time, I think just has a certain perspective and understanding of the reality of the game that he was both a competitor and a mentor to Davis Mills last year. And, and I think he did both of those things really, really well. I think he's a guy that actually cares about, um, you know, the fact that he can be a good influence on a young quarterback. You know, where some, where some quarterbacks, some starting quarterbacks are going to tell you that, hey, it's like, uh, you know, my job is to go out and play and that's it. I, you're never going to hear that out of Tyrod Taylor. Uh, I think that he'll very much take it upon himself to help out Daniel Jones. I don't uh, – I think if Daniel Jones is to lose the job to Tyrod Taylor, it's going to have to be after he, like, once and for all proved that, hey, 
that you're not the guy that he's not the guy this year. You know, if, if he, mm-hmm. you got to give Tyre, you got to give Daniel Jones a chance to go out there and and do it at least one time with Brian Dayball as his coach. And I think that's probably what's going to happen. You know, I mean, I think he was brought in here for just that reason. If something does happen, and and you know, then it's time to go. But you know, it's funny because we do these. Uh, these previews, the opponent previews for the Giants. I'm just curious, Seth, on you know what your perspective is or your take is on the Giants team this year. Um, you know, as, as far as us playing the Giants playing Houston, what do you think about the Giants and what they've done as far as Brian Dable and and where do you see the Giants being this year? I the Brian the Giants are full of so many experiments that I want to see work out. Like it's, uh, <laughs> nice. I, it's, I was actually. <laughs> Yeah, I was going through you guys' roster earlier, and you know, like with Daniel Jones, I the, Daniel Jones is such an exercise in groupthink, and whenever <laughs> when, when whenever you see a player like that, where all of a sudden like the unanimous opinion about this player changes so drastically so quickly, I kind of, I want I want it to work out to where the player just ultimately prevails. But, yes, uh, okay, so people thought it was the dumbest thing ever that the Giants drafted Daniel Jones as high as he did. And then several months later, people were incredulous that anybody could ever (laughs) doubt whether or not you should draft Daniel Jones. Um, But, look, I've seen firsthand what can happen to a young quarterback when he doesn't have a good offensive line in front of him because I I played with David Carr. Um, You know, and David Carr (laughs) – I, like, I always wonder what would have happened with David Carr if he had been behind a genuinely solid offensive line and maybe if he had more good compliments to him offensively or, or weapons offensively. Because I do think that there's something that can happen in the first few years of a quarterback's development where if he doesn't get the right kind of protection, it almost it can permanently break the clock in his head. Uh, you know, his ability to read defenses and all those things. I, which is, like, if I wanted to get real deep into it, we could talk about how like the human brain doesn't really stop developing until you're 24, 25 years old, <laughs> and it, 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 there's there's still neurons being you know linked to, it, during that really critical time in your development. So Daniel Jones is at that point in time where, hey, it, if Brian Dayball can simply make things a little bit more clear cut for him, if he can get a little bit more time to see what's in front of him. Um, and certainly if the play action can help him in that regard, uh, you know, which hinges, of course, on the health of Saquon Barkley, I still think that there's something in Daniel Jones that we ju- that just hasn't been untapped. Mm-hmm. And, and Brian Dayball is sitting in that sweet spot, which is really nice as a head coach where, uh, you know, I saw this also with Gary Kubiak in Houston, where Kubiak came in and, and kind of one of his first jobs was to see, can you salvage David Carr? Turns out he couldn't salvage David Carr, but Gary Kubiak doesn't get any blame for that. That's just a whole lot of people saying, like, well, I told you so. Um, so mm-hmm. if Brian Dable can come in, and if he can salvage or get the best out of Daniel Jones, then he's a conquering hero. If he can't, then it's on to the next, it's on to the next quarterback. So that's, that's kind of what I'm watching this year. And Brian Dable is another guy that I, I, I'm a fan of coaches who don't quite fit the prototype for what you're looking for in your next head coach, either from a, either a personality standpoint or a resume or, or what have you. Um, so I always like guys like that. And, uh, and, and I hope, I hope Brian Dayball works out for that reason. Seth, before we let you go, I want to piggyback off of some of your points. And I think that they're 
well-documented. The other thing I would add about Daniel Jones and the ups and downs that doesn't help a young quarterback is when you have a revolving door of coaches and offensive coordinators. And that brings me back to where we started this conversation. Two things with respect to coaching. One, the fact that Pep Hamilton was promoted from within by Lovey Smith, and he was the QB coach of the passing game coordinator last season. How much does that bode well for Davis Mills in year two? And secondly, you were talking about Jordan Aikens. The other connection is... Bischoff, Andy Bischoff, who was the Texans tight ends coach, is now coming over to the Giants staff. How much, perhaps, does that help Aikens as he tries to carve out a role with the Giants? Um, that could help a lot. And Bischoff's, uh, Bischoff's a fun character, too. Like, I think, uh, I think that the, the, some of the terminology with Dayball and some of the concepts, I think, are going to be pretty familiar to Jordan Aikens just because of that um, – that New England connection and methodology and, and background. Um, so I think that that's going to help a lot. I think there's, they put a lot of, they can put a lot on the receivers and tight ends plates sometimes when they're asking them to adjust the coverages and run option routes and do all of that. So none of that's going to be foreign to Jordan Aikens. Um, I think that can, uh, that could, that could certainly be a big factor for Jordan. And then just real quickly in terms of Pep Hamilton and the continuity aspect for Davis Mills, the fact that he already worked with him on staff and now takes over as the OC. Yeah, well, and, um, you know, with Pep Hamilton, the other two notable things about Pep Hamilton was that he worked with a young Andrew Luck, obviously, okay, and Andrew Luck was probably going to have success no matter who his coordinator was. Uh, But Justin Herbert had Pep Hamilton as a quarterback's coach his rookie year. And that was what was really intriguing to us here was, all right, um, Justin Herbert, not as highly heralded uh, prospect as Andrew Luck, but obviously very talented and did a lot of what he did behind a bad offensive line in Sandy, or, uh, with, the, with the Chargers. Um, I think that's what we're hoping is that Pep Hamilton, as offensive coordinator, still has enough of a relationship, a one-on-one, hands-on relationship, with Davis Mills that that he can still impart some of that wisdom to him. Some of the terminology is going to be different. Um, some of the methodology is going to be different. But I think, uh, like we talked about before, I, I think it's going to be more straightforward in some respects, which is good for a young quarterback. I think that, um, kind of like you saw with, you know, I thought they did a good job with that with Mac Jones last year in New England. For an offense that can potentially be really complicated, they kind of delivered that. They delivered it to him piecemeal and kept it very simple at the beginning so i i think that pep hamilton's going to be doing a good job or hopefully does a good job with davis mills in understanding exactly where he is in his development and by the time the giants see the texans it'll be week 10 of the 2022 season november 13th at metlife stadium giants coming off the bye so by that time davis mills and pep hamilton will have a number of games under their belt in this new offensive scheme based on what Hamilton has in store. He is Seth Payne, former NFL defensive tackle. You can hear him on Sports Radio 610 in Houston. Seth, can't thank you enough. Greatly appreciate the time of the inside and look forward to seeing you week 10 when the Giants battle the Texans. Great stuff, Seth. Thanks. Stay well. My pleasure. Thank you, guys. You got it. Seth Payne with some great insight into what to expect out of a Texas team that struggled last season but had some nice flashes with their young quarterback, and they added some new talent, but they brought back a lot of guys with respect to one-year deals. And I think when you look at this Texans team overall, and the reason why I'm emphasizing, guys, week 10, hey, maybe it's going to be ups and downs, right, the first quarter of the season, 
Lovey Smith taking over as the head coach. I think we're going to see a different Texans team by the time the Giants get them in Week 10, which is natural for any team that has some new faces and new coaching staffs. But Nick Casario, who Seth brought up, the general manager who came over from New England, it seems as if, obviously, he's trying to put pieces together where maybe they make an even bigger push in 2023 given they've got yeah. more first-round picks and they'll have even more cap space so that if Mills is the guy, great, you spend it elsewhere. If Mills is not the guy, mm-hmm. you have the pieces in play to at least go in a different direction. Yeah, and I was going to ask him that, and he kind of answered it in a roundabout way because I feel like David Mills is a little bit like Daniel Jones in a sense that we're going to see what he can do. And, sure. uh, and because of that draft capital they have next year and some of the money and the situation. And by the way, there's a lot of the, the QB draft next year is pretty ripe. So I think that that's probably going to be where they go. And I, and he answered it by the question, well, you know, is there going to be somebody else that they bring in? So I think they're running with him and they're going to figure it out. I think obviously the offensive line, the improvement there will help him and the running game. So I think this is a team that's, you know, you can look at them. They were four and 13 last year. Could you see them at four and a half this year? Maybe. I don't know. I, I doubt it. I don't think they're going to be that great, but I think they're a good opponent for the Giants. And, you know, I'm going to put a win on the board for them for that game. But, um, you know, Lovey Smith is, a, is a, I don't know if you guys can agree with me here, but I thought it was a very interesting pick because I, I, I don't know if Lovey Smith still has it as a head coach. Um, we're going to find out. But it seems to me like it's kind of one of those things where they're saying, OK, let's see what he can do. Um, we have a quarterback that's kind of, you know, young and we'll see what he can do, but they drafted that offensive line to help that running game. That should help, um, any quarterback, of course, Davis Mills to be, you know, I mean, listen, when you got a running game, you guys know this, it, it, it sets up so much better for the passer and being able to do play action. And again, when you look at the giants coming into this year, that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to establish some sort of a running game so that they can set up play action. And they went out and got their offensive line, which now we hope can can block and give Daniel Jones a little bit of time. Jeff, the only thing I will say about the running game, whether or not it's Pierce or even Burkhead, who's more of a third down back, and then Marlon Mack, who's in there, no matter who it is in the backfield, if they just run right up the back of Kenyon Green, Oh, the man, Texas he's a mauler, remember? The, the Texas yeah. A&M rookie yeah. who's going to be slotted in at left guard for them mm-hmm. this year. I mean, he's going to start right out of the box. He he to me and and you know, you guys all knew how many months I just loved Iki Aquanu mm-hmm. as my number one well, Green, he, offensive he went tackle. Up the board a little bit. I always felt that Kenyon Green for me was my favorite guard prospect because mm-hmm. he is like Aquano 2.0. Mhm. He is a beast, a mauler, a pit bull, an absolute just savage in the run game. <laughs> he really is. He's a big, strong ox who just batters people and looks to run people over. Um, that that in itself is going to light up the eyes of anybody who's running the football yeah. to know that he's in front of you. That's a big deal. That was a great pickup by, by Houston. Yeah, I mean, he obviously, like I said, Kenyon Green, he kind of started to climb up the board late in the game. Remember, we had talked about him oh, a that's lot. That's because all these scouts listen to me. That's why. <laughs> of course they do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we had a, we had the, uh, I don't know his name, but we had the guy on from Texas A&M, and he basically told us the same thing. This guy is, I mean, if you don't pick this guy in the first round, you're nuts. And, uh, you know, of course, the, the, the Texans, they went up, they dropped down with Philly. Remember, they traded with Philly, and they got him at the 15th pick. So, That was a good pick for them. 
Well, and also keep in mind, guys, Lovey Smith, if you look at his pedigree, and Jeff, you were talking about you know how effective yeah. he'll be as a mm-hmm. head coach. When he was in Chicago, first of all, he did a really good job. He got fired after a 10-6 and six season. That's I mean, let's not all. forget about that. But the, what I was going to bring it back to your point, Jeff, is Lovey's teams always ran the football in Chicago. Sure. So I think he wants to bring that facet back. Something tells me he doesn't want Davis Mills airing things out. <laughs> but now, remember, game flow is going to tell an awful lot. Mills yeah. had to throw the ball a lot last season. Why? Because the Texans were f- playing from behind. You get an improved run game, maybe you play some games that are a little bit more competitive, you'll have the ability to pound the football. And that could have been a big reason why they took Kenyon Green because Lovey Smith hey, if we're going to run the football, we better improve the guys in front of the runners. So I think he probably had a great deal of influence behind that selection. Sure, yeah. And I, again, you're, you can always be pretty safe when you have a good running game. Your offense will be able to produce, and I think that's what they want to do. And, and also, listen, that's a team that, you know, when you look at what Paul said mentioned about stopping the run, well, if you're in some games and you can't stop the run, well, then you're in trouble because you're not going to get the ball back. So I think, to, you know, collectively that Lovey Smith defense – and, and I agree with, with what Seth said about the Tampa 2 defense. That's kind of going out the door nowadays because of the way the man coverage stuff is going. So I think they're going to have to find a way to, to figure out their, a new defense, if you will. But they went, you know, they went and I, I actually, I'll tell you what, I, I really liked, um, what's his name, Christian Harris, watching him play last year. I know that he's, you know, wasn't a, a top guy and, you know, as far as like, you know, first round, like up there. But let me just tell you something. I like the way he played. I like his aggressiveness and I like his toughness. And I think that that's going to be something that will be fun to watch. Um, and of course, you know, he was a captain of that Alabama team, which tells you there's probably a lot of good character stuff out of him too. Getting ready to take on spring. Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Lance Meadow, Paul Dottino, Jeff Fiegel is with you here on Giants.com. Big Blue Kickoff Live. A few reminders before we... Carry on with our conversation. Giant season tickets are on sale now for the 2022 season. In addition to ticket savings, membership benefits include access to exclusive events, experiences, pre-sales, and more. You can lock in your seats starting at just $100. Call 888-NYG-1925, or you can visit Giants.com slash tickets for more information. Also, don't miss your chance to experience a premier hospitality experience. Watching Giants games and world-class concerts in 2022 as a Giants suite partner. Limited full-season locations are available, or you can place a deposit for individual games call 888-NYG-1925 or you can visit Giants.com slash suites for more information somewhat connected to the Houston Texans I want to focus on the quarterback market right now because we saw Baker Mayfield guys get shipped to the Carolina Panthers and we already previewed Carolina now in all likelihood they're going to see the Giants Baker under center for their home opener on September 18th so Jimmy Garoppolo now is the next domino to fall but who knows? Maybe San Francisco holds on to him if they're not overwhelmed by what Trey Lance does in training camp. Jimmy's also still recovering from offseason surgery. The reason why I bring him up, and Seth alluded to it, Nick Casario was in New England with Jimmy Garoppolo. So mm. if there's anybody who knows Jimmy very well, it's the guy running the Houston Texans. I just I wonder, do they want to give Davis Mills a valid opportunity to prove himself once again? 
or do they want to get a head start on maybe bringing in a more proven guy this season so they don't have to compete with other suitors in 2023? Because remember, Jimmy G, he's got one year left on his contract. So whoever acquires him, assuming they don't give him an extension, just like Baker, who's a lame duck quarterback in the final year of his rookie deal, both of these guys will have an opportunity to hit the market. So that's what I think also complicates whether or not a team wants to give up a lot of real estate for these players because there's no guarantee that you're going to hold on to them beyond this season. Well, there's two things there, Lance. I mean, number one, you've got to worry about Jimmy G's shoulder. I mean, he's still coming off of a procedure, and there, there's a lot of folks out there who have a lot of trepidation about even talking to the 49ers about him because they haven't seen him throw. <laughs> I mean, that, that in itself is a big, big uh, obstacle that's going to have to be dealt with. And that's why I don't expect anything to happen with Maybe. him until – after training camp and maybe even a month or so into the season if a team gets a quarterback hurt. That would be number one. But number two, He'd my have advice, more value also around the trade deadline. Without too. a doubt. Yeah. Now, but my advice to the 49ers, you were fools to draft Trey Lance anyway. Jimmy G should have been your quarterback. Try to mend fences with him. Put Jimmy G back into the starting role if he's physically capable of doing it and ride with this guy. They made a mistake with Trey Lance. They absolutely blew it. He's raw. He's never going to amount to a whole lot. They never should have, have turned their back on Jimmy G. That in itself was a mistake, and they've got a chance to reverse their field and to try to save it. But they probably won't, and, and, and they'll pay for it in the long term. Well, I think what hurt them is they thought by drafting Trey Lance that would put them in a great position to protect themselves in the event Jimmy doesn't stay healthy. And what happened last season well, Garoppolo, for the most part, played the bulk of the year. They get all the way to the NFC Championship game, right? I mean, they're a dropped interception away from potentially going to the Super Bowl. I mean, oh, that's yeah. how close it was for the, the Niners. The, 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 the people in San Francisco who turned on Jimmy G were foolish. Jimmy G is not the reason that the 49ers failed to reach their potential or their, their promised land. He's not the guy. He didn't, he, didn't, he didn't destroy them. He didn't screw it up. Well, he couldn't stay healthy, though. That's what their biggest concern well, was. Never been able that's to my stay point. That, but yeah. that, that's, well, and that's what I'm saying, Jeff. Yeah. That's, yeah. O- that's always been part of the equation. But his performance on the field, he's not the reason that they fell short. Sure, but I don't think, I guess what I'm getting at is, I don't think the Niners, it's them turning their back on Jimmy G and not having faith in him as a quarterback. I think they're concerned about, can we bank on getting X amount of games out of Garoppolo. Jeff, it's very similar to the Giants with Daniel Jones, right? Yep. Are you going to get yep. 10 games out of Daniel Jones? You're going to get 15? You're going to get 17? You just you don't know, and when you don't feel very confident in that, I understand, just like the Giants brought in Tyrod Taylor, another team may be saying, okay, hey, we like the intrigue of this young quarterback. Let's take a flyer with him. And then maybe two, three years down the road, he takes over as the successor because it's time for us to move on. And Jimmy's contract, remember, only has one year left. Yeah, and and let me tell you, the guy's made a lot of money. <laughs> oh, good. absolutely. Holy smokes. And sure. I think that, you know, and you look at quarterback money nowadays, and if there's some sort of injury tied to that type of contract, that worries me. Now, remember this. We never can, you know, this is a tough league, and injuries happen, but when there is a history of it, and, and again, Daniel Jones has it, Jimmy Garoppolo has it, there's certain guys in this league that have it. I think that that's the biggest thing, and I think it goes to your point, Lance, is that I don't think it's they, they don't think he can play quarterback. 
It's a matter of if we're, are we going to invest in this guy to play quarterback for us and we're going to get a return on our investment. That's the hardest thing to juggle. Now, him going to Houston just because it's a New England tie and that kind of stuff, I really believe that Seth was correct in the sense that they're going to let let this guy go for the year and see how he can do it. And if not, then they're just going to be in the catbird seat next year with the cap, with the cap situation, their draft picks. And also, they don't have to cut him. They can always keep him around. You know, he's still a – He's a third-round pick, so he's got sure, a, he's on a rookie deal. deal. Yeah. Yeah. What they should have done, they should have tried to sign a backup bridge like a Tyrod Taylor and said, we're going to sign a veteran insurance policy. We're going to sign maybe even uh, – Well, they oh, did, though. They have Kyle Allen. No, Kyle I mean, Allen is Kyle a Allen. guy who's been in the league for a number of years. No, I'm not talking about Houston. I'm talking about oh. San Francisco. Oh, I thought you were talking about Houston because yeah. no, you no, mentioned Davis Mills. No, okay. if, I'm, if I'm San Francisco, Kyle Allen doesn't, doesn't do it. All right, Tyrod Taylor might have been a good a good guy for them. Um, um, what's his face? Uh, the um, the former um, Cincinnati Bengal who landed in Dallas, Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton would have been the kind of guy who they should have done if they were going to try to protect themselves against Jimmy Garoppolo's shoulder or other injuries. What they should have done is said, "We're going to still roll with Jimmy G. We're going to sign a Dalton. We're going to sign a Tyrod Taylor type." And we're going to use those guys as a potential bridge quarterback if Jimmy G can't play. That's what they should have done. Instead, they rolled the dice with an extremely high draft pick. My God. On Trey Lance, who hadn't proven anything at a high level in college. They absolutely took a bigger gamble than they needed to. And that's why they're now in a pickle. Because... Trey Lance is not going to get them to the playoffs. Trey Lance will probably not, according to football people who I know, amount to a whole lot of little hill of beans in the next several years. They basically set themselves back and destroyed the franchise quarterback position. They burned, they burned the bridge with Jimmy G, and they've drafted a young kid who's not going to amount to much. Tell oh. us how you really feel. <laughs> I don't know. I think the jury is still out, Jeff. I'm not sure. <laughs> I, just... I need more clarity on where he stands on this yeah, situation. Yeah, if we had another hour, I'm sure that Paul could give it to you. Have guts, man. Don't be well, wishy-washy tra- about it. Well, tra- oh, we're wishy-washy. Wait, we have guts. Just, just, have just guts. speak it's it like just... it is. No, I mean, I, I wouldn't I, go I, so I, far, I, far to say that they ruined the franchise, Paul. Listen, <laughs> that's the there's one a that risk I thought which... was... It's, yeah, I mean... It is a pretty storage franchise. When you fumble... When you fumble away the handling of your quarterback well, position, yeah, it takes a while. It becomes a three or four year penalty. Look at the Jets. Well, but, Look at the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, well, who cares? You keep fumble, you fumble <laughs> the quarterback position, especially with a team like San Francisco. They've got talent on this team. This is a good team. I mean, those two teams that you named me, those organizations don't impress me. The okay. 49ers do. Well, so. and, th- and this is a very bad time for this team with a window. To be fumbling yeah. the quarterback position like they did. Well, they they have they, they obviously have more faith in that and field than you do. That's for sure. One hundred percent. I mean, Lance, you don't move up me, to three sorry, to take meant, a quarterback if you don't have I faith said in field, the guy. I meant Lance. Yeah. They, yeah. they think they think yeah. Trey Lance is going to be a well, quick answer to the franchise, yeah. and boy, are they going to be sorry. Well, that's why I would hold on to Jimmy Garoppolo for this season. I would still keep Which is what Trey I told Lance you 10 on the ago. Yeah. I mean, that's how I think the Niners should operate. So we agree. He's got one year left Hold on, on his Pearson deal. said that John Lynch is on the other line. Can we patch him <laughs> in? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's Hey, 
<laughs> I don't get paid enough to help John Lynch. I'm sorry. Tell him, tell him to go away. <laughs> well, I mean, listen, the Niners have made a number of good draft picks during this tenure, even with Kyle Shanahan. And I think Shanahan will do very well with Trey Lance because Shanahan's a good offensive play caller. Yeah. And he's a creative mind. And Lance is much more mobile than Jimmy G. So, you know, he's got the skill set. It's a matter of can they fine-tune him with limited experience, of course, in college. He wasn't a three-year starter. He wasn't even a two-year starter because yeah. he had, what, three starts outside mm-hmm. of the 16 games he played in that one year. And granted, COVID didn't help his cause either. Okay, that was out of his control. They didn't have a season because of COVID. So, you know, that wasn't something that he could dictate, whatever it may be. But that's why I'm not having the overwhelming rush to put Trey Lance on the field this season. Jimmy G's got one year left on his contract. Assuming he's healthy, start him. Trey will continue to learn. Listen, Aaron Rodgers sat, Phillip Rivers sat. I understand there's urgency to get a guy on the field in this day and age, but it's not unheard of if you preach some patience. And I don't think it's going to hurt Trey Lance in the long run if they wait till 2023, Jeff, to have him take over. And it won't, and I just don't think that – I know that you said that the next domino to fall may be Jimmy Garoppolo. I I don't know – you know how far that domino is leaning right now because it's just because of the injury thing and the in the contract. I'm just worried. I would be worried about that. So I'm with you, both of you and him staying put, and then their their young guy can play behind him. And by the way, if John if 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 he gets hurt, which he probably will again, then you put the young guy in there, and then he, he's there for good. Yeah, which is what they did last season. Yeah. Trey Lance started a game because Jimmy G was out. Right. And we saw a very small sample size. I mean, beyond that, we're going to see him. Clearly, he's going to play a lot in the preseason. Yeah, He's well, going to probably get first-team reps or so in training camp if Jimmy G's not fully healthy. So they'll really get a closer look at him this year. And, and, and it further proves your point as, fact, as far as experience and young quarterbacks. We know that this is a difficult position to play, especially for somebody that only played 16 games in college. I mean, we're talking about a very difficult transition. And so it would behoove them to keep him the way he is right now and have him work behind a couple guys, a guy for a couple years and then move in. And like you said, Aaron Rodgers done it. You know, there's guys that have done it in the past. So why not let this guy do it? You know, so um, obviously there they have him under contract. Uh, Garoppolo, they're going to be able to have to pay him and they can, you know, it's going to, it's not going to be a cap hit. It's basically what they're going to pay him on the cap. So they can afford it. They're going to keep him. That's what I think is going to happen. What yeah, do I know? Yeah, go what ahead. Do I, no, what do I know? Well, listen, it's, it's all speculation at this point. Podcast. I know. <laughs> Giants fans are going to be thrilled when they see you list this, Pierce. Said, oh, big Garoppolo talk at the end of the show. Yeah. Well, it's a well, news. Yeah, it's, it's news. There is, there the is some news for, from uh, more to do with yesterday's show. The Panthers GM came out and said that it is an open competition for the QB. Of course QB. they're going to do that. Sure, of right? course. I mean, yeah. yeah. yeah I Baker mean, Mayfield's not going to be starting week one. Yeah, I can guarantee you. Yeah, that's absolutely not going to happen. I mean, they only made a trade a few weeks before training camp because clearly they have full confidence in Sam Darnold. Yeah, hey, full camp, absolutely. full confidence that there's going to be a, a mutual competition here. It's up for grabs. Yeah, yeah in what? Yeah. The, let's put it this way: the lock of the NFL season is that Baker Mayfield will start for the Carolina Panthers. I'll, if you're I'll tell looking you this: for anything, my that first is the lock bold, of this my season. first bold prediction for this season for the season is that. That, that Baker Mayfield will be the starting quarterback against the Giants. In week that's two? my yeah In week two yeah that's yeah. my yes. ball prediction. There you go. Yeah, you're really going out on a limb. I on know that it's one, a Jeff. tough one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, well, and that's why I brought up the quarterback situation because you have Giants opponents that are fluid right now mm-hmm. based on some moves. Right yeah. we, when we were talking about the Panthers a few weeks ago, we didn't bring up Baker. 
I mean, we weren't necessarily anticipating a trade was going to happen for sure. There was speculation. Well, now the trade happened. So now the Giants, I'm sure the coaching staff, you're going to start looking at Baker Mayfield's tape yeah. from Cleveland. You because have to. You're assuming you're going to see him week two, you and are. you should. Yeah, and you should be pretty excited about both of those quarterbacks. Oh, now, now we're going to crap on another quarterback. See, okay, so so this is what happened. See, Paul took advantage of Trey Lance, and now Jeff all of a sudden is going to tell us how much that Baker Mayfield's not going to salvage his career. Go ahead, Jeff. The floor is all yours. Brother, yes. I tell you, I, well, I don't think he can. First of all, I don't. Another, the, although he is tough. He's a tough dude. I will give him that. He plays hurt, but I just don't think the guy's got it. I really don't. So we'll see. Yeah, I don't know. Boy, man. I mean, I, and I, a, a lot of it has to do with to probably with his injuries. Yeah. So. Um, but, yeah, I'm really glad that he'll be lining up against the Giants in week two. That's fine. I personally would rather see Sam Darnold. Well, yeah, yeah I no, was going to say, but that's not what's going to happen. I think the My Panthers point upgraded is that we, their he's not, That is not going to happen. We would be much happier if we saw Sam Darnold. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. Speaking of the Giants, though, and, and this is why I went there with Jimmy Garoppolo, because the timing of when you play an opponent you can't dismiss that. For example, the Texans, like I said, Davis Mills is going to have an opportunity by the time he sees the Giants, he'll have another half of a season yeah. to continue it's to develop 10. and grow. Yeah. Correct, exactly. Now, Baker, now this is where maybe things balance out. Baker has not been with the team this offseason. So Baker's going to have all of training camp. He's got to learn a new offense. He's got to get used to a new play caller and Ben McAdoo and new personnel. Where is he at that point when the Giants play him in week two? The good news for him is he's going to have a game under his belt against his former team, the Cleveland Browns, which I'm sure the NFL is absolutely loving that that is on the schedule week one. You couldn't have gotten a you better opportunity. You don't think that was on purpose? Well, they, I don't they know. Had a, Listen, they had a gut this, feel. Well, they had a it, gut feel. Yeah, but if Caroline is making a trade because of week one ratings, then I question everybody working for that organization. No, 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 so. no. I'm talking about the league. When the oh, league, no. when well, the the league, league lo- put their schedule yeah. out, they probably had a feel. They may have been anticipating it, sure. No, I wouldn't doubt the fact that they were keeping that in their mind, or even if they would have kept it earlier in the season, mm-hmm. right, the first quarter of the year, to ensure that there's a good chance Baker is going to see his former team. But what I was getting at with Baker here before we wrap up is – it could be a bit of a guessing game for both sides because the Giants, they're not going to have a lot of film to operate with Baker in the Carolina offense. And then how comfortable is Baker with what he's running, given the fact that he'll only have, you know, maybe a preseason game or two and one regular season start. So, you know, that's what I think adds a little bit extra intrigue to that week two matchup. Well, it'll be interesting. Clearly, you guys are not excited about that. game. I thought Paul would be jumping through the roof. No, I mean, we're think- talking about a regular season, early season game here. Can't we get him we already did that. a Panther show. I mean, <laughs> no, but we didn't do anything Baker related. Nah, you know what? I'm I'm not a big Baker Mayfield fan, and I'm certainly not a Donald fan. So I'm I mean, a fan of his commercials. I think they're great. Let, let's uh, just I say, like the dog <laughs> in a quarterback. They so are. I don't mind that. The progressive field commercials are outstanding. <laughs> they are. They're well, better than his play. <laughs> Unfortunately, you don't win football games based on how many commercials you're in. I hate to break it to the two of you, but I, I know that's a big. Oh, no, we're trying. Flash. Yes. Know. All I right. Mean, well. <laughs> oh boy, this thing can get really off the track quickly. Well, sometimes. and that's why I'm trying to rein us back onto the track yeah. as we look to uh, wrap up shop here. The station so, coming by, right? Yes, it is. It's coming fast and furious. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> so we will continue our opponent preview series, and I'm sure there will be two quarterbacks that on tomorrow's program will get a glowing recommendation for Paul, given the fact that it's Drew Lock again. Geno Smith as we preview the <laughs> Seattle Seahawks. So there's a teaser for you people tuning in for Wednesday's edition 
of Giants.com's Big Blue Kickoff Live. Today's episode is part of the Giants platforms everywhere and Giants.com slash podcast. For Paul DeTino and Jeff Fiegels, I'm Lance Meadows. Stay locked to Giants.com for all the latest, and we'll speak to you on Wednesday right here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Have a good one. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.